0: Next guest is an activist for the rights of the LGBTQ community and for the rights of every human. She is a humanitarian and a gender-fluid model. Please welcome to the show, Elliot Sailors. Hello. Thank you so much for joining me, Elliot. Oh, thank you. I'm I'm really honored and excited to be here. Thank you. So I always begin the conversation with the question: what do you believe? Um so,
1: I knew that <laughs> beforehand, but it's still, it's just like not the easiest question to come up with a, a really simple answer. Um, but one thing that I know that I believe is in being true to yourself, in showing up as who you know yourself to be. And as someone who works with the LGBTQ plus community, um, I do want to acknowledge that it's not always safe for people to express their gender or their sexuality. And so when I talk about the importance of being true to ourselves, I also really invite everybody to consider um, that who you are, is it's not just your gender or your sexuality, right? Like if you were listing the things that you were looking for in a mate or even a friend, you probably wouldn't list their sexuality. Like, it's not a thing that you would you know, um, that you would even think of as a descriptor, right? There's a ton of other things that we value so much. And we forget that that's part of who we are too, right? And so we get to show up in all of those other ways. And too often when a part of us is silenced or unrecognized, um, we shut down completely and we don't acknowledge all of the other parts of who we are. So I believe in really looking at ourselves in a holistic way mm-hmm. and um, yeah, being really true to the the big picture and showing up for other people
0: as how we want people to show up for us. Yeah, absolutely, sure. So, So when did you kind of, when did you sort of recognize that in yourself
1: um well it, it's an ongoing process um it's because we're not always the same right i mean uh-huh. i don't we're not the same as we were a year ago or mm-hmm. you know even a few days ago or who we were before the coronavirus um <laughs> back in the days when you got to go outside um mm-hmm. I mean, I know, seriously, like the amount of joy that I find in the smallest things now is amazing. <laughs> no. There's a lot that I took for granted before. Um, but I was really lucky to be raised by a family who really has this focus on who we are and how we show up in the world. And um, as the oldest of six kids, there was also a lot of pressure put on me to be the example all the time. Um, so it's almost an unlearning process for me to stop always thinking of myself as having to set a good example. Um, Mm -hmm. it's, I mean, it's important, right? It's not like we shouldn't set a good example, but, um, I kind of took like the weight of the world (laughs) on my shoulders. Like anyone who would ever see me do something that wasn't perfect, if they did something imperfect, it was my fault because they saw me do it first. Um, so, yeah, for me, it was really just getting more in tune with all the parts of me that, that I did like, mm. and being able to enjoy those parts of me and not just because they were setting a good example for somebody else. It's
0: like being free. Yeah. Being free. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah.
1: My dad now calls himself a recovering intellectual. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's recognized a lot of the pressure he put on us as kids, um, constantly analyzing everything. And, you know, a lot of what he felt was, you know, being the best possible parent. Now he's like, ah, that probably wasn't ideal. Um, so we still have, you know, an awesome relationship. And again, it's all inside of that being true to ourselves and being honest about who we are and where we're at. And so my father and I are still able to have that, that relationship. Thank goodness.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Wow. Um, that, that you said so many things that I'm I'm thinking about as, as, as we're chatting about, you know, being honest with yourself and and who you are. I mean, I I think you're right. It is an ongoing exploration of oneself and, and you're right. You kind of learn about yourself when you're in situations that are incredibly challenging. Yeah. And right now, this is incredibly challenging, but we're all experiencing it at the same rate. And I'm, I'm just wondering, you know, when you say, you know, that you you appreciate the little things, what are those little things?
1: Um, well, yesterday, um, I don't know if you know, but New York City had a sing along of the song "New York, New York." I saw your. I. So, I- yeah so every night at seven there's the clap because we care right so everybody goes out at seven and claps and then uh the sing-along started at 702 so we went on our roof and uh yeah had a blast
0: (laughs) and that's a little thing that's just just getting together on a roof and singing it's just so much
1: joy it was unbelievable and there was a guy across the way and he was playing his horn and um when we all, you know, finish or waving at each other and have a good one and take care and, you yeah. know, yelling all these things across. And the last thing he says is wash your hands.
0: <laughs> wow. I love it. But you it's know, human spirit, right? It's like showing it's human spirit.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Right? It, that you know, was. It was literally just like looking out. It's like, hey, we know you're touching the doorknob of your roof. Make sure you remember when you get back inside.
0: I love it. Wash your hands. Don't touch. Your-
1: <laughs> looking out for each other. Looking out
0: for each other. That's great. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. Looking out for each other. Speaking of looking out for each other, right now, this conversation that we're having is especially important um, right now during COVID-19 because this virus is presenting a unique threat to the LGBTQ community, humanity, and women. Um, Can you speak to what's happening right now about all these issues that we're facing? There's, um There are
1: a lot of LGBTQ youth who um, either haven't even come out to their families yet yeah. or who have and it wasn't perceived well um, or it's still just kind of iffy or up in the air, right? They're, and teenagers in general don't exactly necessarily love being around their families all the time. Um, yeah. So a lot of these um people are dealing with this feeling of almost being like put back in the closet that mm-hmm. by having to stay inside and being kept from the community, they're not able to, to live their truth. And some of these youth are even in dangerous situations
0: mm-hmm.
1: and some of these youth are kicked out of their homes and they become homeless even before this right? I mean, that's that's, that's something awesome. that happens. And thankfully, there are organizations like uh, the Hedrick Martin Institute that specifically help these, these youth. And so a lot of what they're doing at this time um, is making sure that these youth are, are still fed. Um, the way that they're providing uh, they're distributing the food is changing ongoingly because, because of the coronavirus and how they can do that.
0: Um,
1: so you'll have to go to their, their website. It's hmi.org to, to know exactly how that's working at this time. And some of the other services that they provide um, are medical services for these youth. So you can do uh, phone or video Um, conversations in order to get prescription refills for trans youth uh, and gender non-performing youth to be able to get their hormones
0: um,
1: as well as other medical needs that they're that they're dealing with Um, they're also supplying tablets to these youth who don't have the ability to get online because they don't have anything to get online to get in touch with anybody Um, so you know any donations that you can give Um, Again, HMI.org slash donate. Um, They're not taking individual devices uh, at this time to be able to donate individual devices. But if there's anybody who has like devices in bulk, um, you know, you can contact them. Um, And obviously monetary donations. Um, I have a little list here of all the things that that they're working on. Oh, they have virtual paid internships.
0: Um,
1: They have tutoring for students. So there are there's a number of things, and then I don't know if you're familiar with the Trevor
0: Project. I am yes. can yes. you tell everyone a bit about it in case they're not?:
1: Yes, yeah, so the Trevor Project exists um, to support LGBTQ youth um, in preventing suicide. so at any time that you are considering killing yourself um, or you have a friend or family member who is, uh, you can call their hotline 24-7, anytime. And that number is um, 1-866-488-7386. Um, you can also text, because a lot of you don't necessarily want to talk on the phone. Um, so you can also text. And then if you go to their, their website, um, TrevorProject.org, then you can also chat, in case you want to do it that way. Um, their entire system has moved remote at this time and they've actually been receiving um, twice as many yes. uh, people reaching out. So again, anything that you can do to donate to them to help them in um, taking care of the youth yes. is definitely greatly appreciated.
0: That's incredible. Thank you. Yeah. We're going to, we're going to definitely put more of that on the, on, on our posts and um you know, all of the information so that people can access that. And, um, thank you. Um, you also mentioned women
1: and what women are dealing with.
0: And one of the things
1: that people are not realizing right now, like we hear about these toilet paper shortages, right? Tampon shortages.
0: Wow. There
1: are people who are bartering for tampons. They're literally coming on, hey, I'll make you, you know, this many cinnamon rolls if you can send me a box of tampons. You know, these things are really happening because a lot of people with means are going in and they're stocking up on tampons. The fact of the matter is, like, we're still only having our periods once a month, (laughs) you know, and most people are leaving their homes at least once a month, if not twice. Um, So you don't you don't need to stock up on that, you know. (laughs) Because people who are really living paycheck to paycheck, who don't have the money to stock up, by the time they get there, there's nothing left. And organizations who usually help with this are also dealing with the shortage of tampons. Um, it's it's not it's not good right now. You know, people are really struggling and, and people are forgetting that when when they stock up like that, it's you know, you're not you're actually not helping even yourself out right you know because you're going to go out again you don't you don't need all those um so there's a couple there's a couple solutions and one is if you do have the means to do um monthly subscriptions because okay. those those companies um do have and they do cost a little bit more but if you think about ones like Cora, for example Um, they actually use a portion of the money that you spend on their products to have period education, right? Mm -hmm. So that people can understand the different, um, thing, well, youth, right. When they're first getting their, their periods. Um, and then also other things like cups, for example, like a lot of people don't know about cups or how they work or, or what those are. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Um, I mean, literally like my girlfriend just learned what cups were like two months ago, three months ago. Could you
0: explain?
1: <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> menstrual cups um, are like a little rubbery silicone cup right. that um, you insert like you would a tampon. However, they hold more hours ah. um, of blood, <laughs> of menstruatingness. Oh. Um, <laughs> and then you take it out and you wash it and you can reuse it. Um, different brands have different, uh, lifespans on their cups. They're not, you know, you're not going to have one for life. Um, but they will last you a number of months and, um, oftentimes it's significantly cheaper than tampons and it's definitely better for the environment. Um, so it, it will cost more when you buy your, when you first buy the cup, but then the money that you're saving in tampons, um. Adds up right and then there's also um period underwear like thinks or ruby um mm-hmm. which like i use um i well before i used to use it as a backup for tampons now i use it as a backup for cups um that and then on your lighter days you can even just do that and now that we're all at home you know yeah maybe you can just handle it i don't know <laughs> it works for you um but and just be class. just be really responsible about how much you're, how many you know pads or tampons or whatever you're taking, and and not taking more than you need.
0: Yes, absolutely. Thank you for that. I really had no idea there was a shortage until you mentioned it. Um, oh, also, side note: I just realized I said regarding women,
1: and I, I want to point out um, that as someone who you know, identifies as gender fluid, but also works a lot with the the non-binary community. Mm -hmm. Um, I actually try to refrain from saying women. I say people who menstruate (laughs) because, you know, a lot of trans guys in the process of their transition, right, they're still menstruating for a certain period of time Um, and also non-binary individuals. And yeah, so people
0: who menstruate. That's, but, but let's get into that a little bit because I, what, I mean, could you speak to, well, I mean, I have so many questions. I mean, firstly, like what does gender fluidity mean to you? For the um, so
1: yeah, the reason that I identify as gender fluid is, so always growing up, I was always like, yeah, you know, um, I, when I would talk about females, I would talk about them as like they, like they are like that, not like we are like that, right? Mm. And I also talked about boys, like, they're like that. So I didn't experience myself as either male or female. Um, but I didn't have the words for it like that. I was just kind of like, oh, like, I'm not a girly girl. But, you know, and I feel more comfortable with the dudes. But I'm not a tomboy because I don't really play sports. And it was like this long explanation of how I saw myself. Right. So for me, once I learned the word gender fluid, it was like, ah, oh, that's it. Easy. There's one word. Um, <laughs> Perfect. Done. Um, and you know, in my case, you know, the biggest struggle was just kind of like the fact that it was a long explanation. Like mm-hmm. I was really privileged in the sense that I was safe in my family and in my community, and um, I didn't have to look for a place to feel at home. And now, a lot of these words, like gender fluid or gender queer or non-binary, um people some people get worried there's like so many words why does there have to be so many words you know what's the deal with this and the fact of the matter is the the giving things language giving things a name allows you to feel known but also then you realize there are other people who use this word and then suddenly you have a community mm-hmm. right and you can you can search out other people who who also use this language and you get to feel understood and to be a part of something. Amazing. Yeah. And it's, I think that it's very important that we make a point of using our, our words for ourselves and not putting them on other people. So I know that something that, that comes up a lot in the trans community is there are a number of people in the trans community who are binary, meaning that they, the gender they were assigned at birth is the opposite of how they identify, right? Mm -hmm. So male to female or female to male. But there are also a number of trans people who are non-binary. They, you know, may want to have top surgery, but they don't want bottom surgery. They don't identify as either male or female, or they identify as both. Um, So it's one of those things where we can't put on other people who they are. You know, we just, we we have no idea. Um, so, yes, there's a lot of language, but we also can't be telling people the right way to do, to do all of these things. It's really up to us to just ask people how they identify and what
0: language they prefer for themselves. It's really, really interesting. Um, thank you for, you know, breaking that down. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm curious, like, what, if you could speak to any of the misconceptions, you know, that the LGBTQ community you know, what, what are the misconceptions and what are the, what are the challenges? I mean, that, that, you know, that's faced right now. I mean, especially with the current administration and, you know, with television and yeah. Um, a
1: lot of, I mean, television is doing a lot better. (laughs) That's for sure. Um, and it's good, too, that we're seeing people of color in a lot of these roles, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I, I feel like one of the primary misconceptions is actually what I was just talking about, right, is is understanding that there are both binary and non-binary trans people and that some non-binary people don't identify as trans, right? Exactly. So there's, there's a lot of understanding that goes into all of this. Um, and there are people who feel like you know it's not my job to educate you on this like you should go educate yourself somewhere else but for the most part people are super ready to answer your questions and in helping you understand who they are um you know one of the really important things that i think some people still get confused about is that you know which which is a trans male and which is a trans female like which way do i say it um, and you say what they identify as, right? So it's not the gender that they were, um, assigned at birth. It's the gender they say they are. So a trans male is someone who identifies as male.
0: Okay, a trans okay.
1: female is someone who identifies as female.
0: Female. Yeah.
1: And that means that a trans female is she and a trans male is he. Um, and then there are trans people who identify as they them and there are non-binary people who identify as they them and there are also uh, a number of other pronouns that people use too which um, I'm not gonna go into just because I feel like it starts to confuse um, people I do recommend that you know you you search oh. that and you do use them when people ask you to use them sure. um, but yeah I feel like a lot of the confusion more happens around gender than around sexuality um but sexuality is fluid too you know it's not um it's also not fixed i mean i experienced that in my own life i was married to a male and was super happy i had dated a lot of men and was very happy sexually with them um and at a certain point my body just stopped being happy sexually with men and it was really confusing i was like am i going through early menopause like you know, what's happening?
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and it was confusing because I still love my husband, but I just wasn't attracted to him anymore. And for me, it was kind of a relief in a sense. And I think for him, too, to learn that, that sexuality can be fluid as well and that it wasn't, you know, nobody was doing anything wrong. Yeah. You know, it's just right. impossible it's just- for our bodies to change over time in that way. Yeah. Wow. That's, so how long ago were you married? How long ago was that? Um, so we got married in 2011, <laughs> like 10, 11, I think it was. I, know, what you're <laughs> um, <laughs> what I don't even know. And, um, the, I think the divorce was finalized in 2016, um, I mean we had like the most amicable divorce ever um it was not it was difficult in that we do still love and care about each other and that we didn't want to do anything that would be hurtful to the other person and we wanted to respect the other person fully in every way and at the same time it's it's morning relationship and so figuring out how to set boundaries and how much time to spend together and not to and right. And in my case I was I had already begun my relationship with my my now fiance. Oh Um, congratulations. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Um so also, you know, their relationship they had an amazing have an amazing relationship. Um so I'm just um super crazy lucky in terms of how that all
0: happened in in my case. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. So how, I'm just curious, you know, in terms of all that you've been through, you know, and you're so young, I mean, is there, I mean, is there any advice that you would give your younger self? Um,
1: to be more gentle with myself. Um, I I always judge myself so harshly. You know, I talked about it a, a little bit earlier, right? Like always feeling like I had to set the perfect example. Um, but because I judged myself harshly, I think that I was judging others probably harshly as well. Even though I thought, you know, since I was judging myself more harshly that I was being kinder to others in, in hindsight, yeah. it's, There was just, there was too much judgment present,
0: Mm.
1: you know, it's, um, you know, we have to make judgment calls, right? And we have to set boundaries
0: and we have to learn what's okay with us and what's not. Um, long as it's not corrosive, like the judgment, right? That it's like not corroding your, yeah.
1: And that's, I think that is a lot of what happened in, in my case growing up. I put a lot of pressure on myself and, um, think I'm still recovering
0: from that a little bit (laughs) amazing um yeah no I understand the the pressure I mean I'm you know I'm a Virgo we put a lot of pressure on ourselves (laughs) Francesca can talk about that but you know being, being being an astrologer but yeah I definitely yeah it's it's um Right now, I feel like there's pressure too. I mean, there's pressure to like create, create, and everyone's like, do this, write a book, da, 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 da. And it's great to do these podcasts and have these conversations. But, you know, I find that, you know, kind of during this time uh, being, you know, my brain is like, I have like half a brain because it's like, there's all the worry going on, you know, and I'm trying to just exist. and, And it's like, well, I can't put all this pressure on myself because I'm just trying to like exist and, you know, be okay in the the confines of what's going on, you know? Mm -hmm.
1: It is really hard at this time, I think, to find that balance between, you know, wanting to stay motivated and needing to stay motivated. Mm -hmm. Um, But how much? Exactly. How much is the appropriate amount? And it's definitely different for every single person. Um, And it's also this weird thing where everybody is like, well, everyone's available at any given moment. So why can't you answer my calls all the time or my emails or whatever? And, you know, it's, and especially people like me who are out of work, <laughs> even more people are like, well, you should just be available all the time. Um, so being okay, saying no, you know, to whatever it is that that's coming up at this time can be, can seem even harder, but is still, it's still really important. And, and it's, you know, something else that that actually um, is, is is a scary thing that's happening at this time is the huge rise in domestic violence
0: yes.
1: for those who don't have, you know, the ability to, to make their own choices like we do. Yeah. And, um, you know, so there's this huge insurgence of these domestic violence cases, and then all of a sudden there's been... Kind of what looks like a drop and the drop is not good news the drop is that these people have nowhere to go and so they're going to stop reporting it they're going to stop saying anything because they can't look for a job somewhere else there's no way that they have of supporting themselves you know when the abuser is away at work Mm -hmm. or would have been away at work that's not their moment of escape because the abusers at home all the time um it's it's really terrifying i mean the uk has seen twice as many domestic killings twice as many and it's you know and it's also like well what what on earth is there to do right so i know that you know i went and i sought out like what are the um what are the resources for these people who, who are dealing with these things because again you know it's it is mostly women but it's not just women oh, it,
0: kids, well wow, kids in abusive homes and
1: the elderly
0: and the elderly. A
1: lot with the elderly right now too and the handicapped um so i put down some hotlines and things to share oh
0: great thank you
1: so the National Domestic Hotline is 1-800-799-7233. The National Sexual Assault Line is 1-800-656-HOPE, which is 4673. The Native Hotline for Native peoples is 844-762-8483. Mm-hmm. The Trans Lifeline is 877 565 eight eight six zero and the national parent helpline. So parents who have children who are violent towards one another, who are violent towards them, um, or maybe even are violent themselves and want to seek help stopping. um, Eight five, eight five five for a parent. And really, I want to encourage everybody to, you know, reach out to your friends listen for coded language. There's been a, a lot of coded language happening. And if you suspect anything, ask yes or no questions. You know, don't ask something where they might have to say something that will put them in a, um, a scary position in front of their abuser.
0: Can you, um, can you get into a, the coded language a bit
1: for us? So I um, am not well-versed in the coded language around domestic abuse. Um it's something that as I was researching about it, I learned was happening a lot. It's it's a happening in waves in France right now, actually. Mm-hmm. Um so I, I don't know what theirs is, but it probably wouldn't be applicable in English anyway. Mm-hmm. Um but uh you know, I, I feel like sometimes we have kind of a pretty good idea when our friends or people that we know are in these kind of situations. And mm-hmm. So if they're alluding to something and you're unsure about what it is that they perhaps are alluding to, that's when you want to stick to those yes or no questions. Okay. Um, are you saying that you're not safe? Would you like me to make a phone call for you? Yeah. Um. Mm. So that you you can be there for them. Also, um, a website that exists for people to go to is uh, futureswithoutviolence.org. Amazing. And there, are, there are a lot of things on there. Um, and that's also where you can donate. Um, really consider donating to domestic violence shelters. Um, it's the things that those of us who are not in those positions—it's—it's it's just not—it's not on our radar right now, you yeah. know, um, and it needs to be because it's—it's it's getting so much worse. And I mean, I can't imagine being trapped with someone who treats me that way and having no idea how to escape. No
0: idea—it's frightening. I have a, a really dear friend who's a school teacher, and she said, you know, the kids a lot of the kids i mean school is their is their place of refuge mhm and they don't have that now and the same thing with with an abuser going to work yeah it's it's very very scary um, yeah so thank you for sharing this this information with us it's it's mm-hmm. it's vital and and let's find a way to get it out there even even more than you know um you know, maybe we could put our heads together and come up with something to, you know, this, this, these conversations are so important and everything that you do as an activist is is so important. So, thank you. And if there's anything, of course, you know, I want to get more involved. I know Francesca wants to get more involved. Um, you know, let's put our heads together. And Yes, yeah.
1: And also, I want to acknowledge too, like, you know, not everybody has the means to give. But everybody yeah. has the means to share, you know. So, yeah. even if you can't um, put the money together right now to help these organizations, you can help them by sharing this information, exactly, um, and
0: um, passing the word on. Absolutely, yeah. So true. Thank you. Thank you for everything, Elliot.
1: For platform, so that I can I can share. Yes. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. Really. Thank you so much. And um, it was lovely to speak with you. Really lovely. Thank you.